Hello everyone, welcome to Church Plant Chat. Uh, it's Paul here and today we have Henry Kendall, who is the leader of St Barnabas in North Finchley. Uh, this is actually the church uh, where my, my faith and discipleship really thrived and I was sent out from this church to, to be an ordinand and pursue my own calling. So I'm eternally grateful to Henry and the team. Hello Henry. Hello, Paul. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to come on the podcast today. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So, Henry, we, we will dive in. Uh, I should probably mention before we get going, Henry uh, leads St. Barnabas. This is uh, one of the resource churches. It's in the Church of England. It's part of the New Wine Network. And so the questions today uh, won't necessarily be from a planter's perspective, but from uh, the, the church leader's perspective who sends out those planters and, and tries to develop a church that can go on planting churches, uh, which I think is really important to have on this show. Um, so before we get into that, Henry, we like to start with an icebreaker. And uh, we like to ask, I say we, it's just me. <laughs> what's what's the weirdest or strangest thing uh, that you've experienced in, in your church leadership years that you can say publicly? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Uh, you alerted me to this question, thankfully, um, <laughs> because a lot of weird stuff has happened. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the th weird ones was um, uh, breaking up a fight at a funeral. Mm. Uh, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was pretty weird. Wow. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that's intense, isn't it? <laughs> yeah 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 so um yeah, yeah it was um uh, it was a very tragic funeral yeah. uh, a young person and the two parents were estranged oh, and the, the 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 new boyfriend of the mother and the father um it was not a great scene actually <laughs> no. oh dear oh, yeah. well hopefully i don't have to experience that <laughs> uh so henry can you can you tell us a bit about saint barnabas and and how it's developed as a resource church over the last mm. few years and, and what's happening now with it. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I came to St. Barnabas. Yes. I, I certainly from a, a, a resource church perspective um, today, but I came from St. Barnabas having been a church planter myself. Mm. And uh, uh, so Jane and I were involved in uh, the leadership team of a, ch uh, a church plant, which I went on to lead for a decade um, um, I had no idea uh, that you did a church plant. I completely missed that in the years that I was at St. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't the sole protagonist. I wasn't the initial missioner, but I was the first pastor okay. of that church plant. And um, so and I was involved in the planting team on the leadership team. Oh, wow. uh, so, um, but that's all in a previous millennium. But I came with that background uh, into a church that already had a, a heritage of church planting. Uh, and so St. Barnabas had planted several churches before I arrived. Um, I don't think it had actually planted any Church of England churches. Um, <laughs> back in those days, the Church of England wasn't terribly in favour of church planting. Mm. And so uh, we were having to do things that were outside of uh, the, the orbit of the Church of England. Um, in fact, we, we, we even planted a, a Baptist URC church. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that should be the weirdest thing. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, um, and we, 
I came into this church that that has a heart for mission mm. in all its guises. We're we we feel the call of God to be a sending church. We send out quite a few missionaries, uh, quite a few people to ordination, <laughs> of which Paul is one, <laughs> uh, and also uh, church plants. And and it's it, it's in our DNA. It's in our heart, uh, and it's what we want to be doing. Um, but certainly for the majority of my time at St. Bees, um, our church planting exploits have been, I suppose, what you might call opportunistic. You know, an, an idea pops up and you think, hey, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, in my time at St. Bees, our first uh, church planter, uh, was your dad Paul <laughs> yeah uh, and um I, I well remember how it happened because it was a it was an opportunistic thing uh and as a as a leadership group we were all sitting around we were, we were a mixed group some staff some non-staff and your dad at the time was just in secular work he was non-staff but he was on the leadership group and um I'd had a uh a, a correspondence from a, a a church trust saying that they had a, an old brethren assembly hall and did we want it <laughs> uh, and so we sat around in this room about 13 of us i think and said hey well this looks like an uh, opportunity do we want it and everybody said yeah yeah we want we want it so we then said so so who's who's going to to lead it Who, who's Who's going to be the missioner? Who's the church planner who goes out? Who's mad enough? And, and then, and twelve of us in unison all turned and looked at your dad. <laughs> at which point he, he said, "What are you looking at me for?" <laughs> and that's pretty much how it happened. Brilliant. So, so it, it was it was opportunistic. We didn't see it coming. Yeah, I don't think your dad saw it coming, although mm. the Lord had spoken to him in advance, actually. Mm. So, you know, prophetically, the Lord had prepared him and he, he knew it was God. Yeah. And um, uh, so we just went for it. An opportunity came up <clears throat> and we went for it. And I, I think there's great biblical warrant for that, mm. you know, uh, the the children of Israel in the wilderness, they followed the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. You know, when it upped and moved, they, they went, you know, and yeah. Jesus, uh, so much of his ministry was opportunistic. Something happened. Oh, we'll do it. You know, somebody's crying out on the side of the road. Um, Son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, we'll stop. We'll do that. There's, there's quite great precedent for that. And that's. Uh, we've done five in my time at St Barnabas, five church plants, and all of those five really have been um, opportunistic in different ways. Wow. More recently, we've started to become more intentional to strategize over church planting, and I think that's legitimate as well. I don't mm. want to miss those opportunities that just pop up. Yeah. yeah. But actually, sometimes 
you know, we need to strategize as well. We need to think, you know, where do we want to go next? Let's plan for that. Let's employ someone for that. And the whole Church of England resource church thing has very much helped us do that because, um, I mean, up until four years ago, you know, we were doing our own thing and the Church of England was kind of over there somewhere. Mm. And it's probably best <laughs> we don't tell them what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. um, and, <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden we've had something of a revolution in the Church of England. It certainly happened in London. I think it's going to happen in, uh, in other dioceses as well. Yeah. Um, where um, bishops are beginning to say, we want to get with this agenda And we want you, Henry, and you, other resource church leaders, to start thinking about where you're going to plant, um, draw in the right people to do that planting. We'll support you doing that, but you'll need to be self-giving as well and and really get with a program of doing this regularly and intentionally. So there's there's a whole lot more intentionality to our, our, our church planting now. Uh, we've got three uh, uh, embryonic ones out, and all of them were kind of planned in a way that previous ones weren't. Mm-hmm. So um, that's incredible. <laughs> I think, and I think you've um, you touched on something really profound there about being really sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing, so that you don't miss the opportunities. Because I remember yeah. a few years ago, um, and I did read it. And I've passed it on to somebody else, and I can't remember the title now of the book you wrote, um, "Catching the Wind of the." Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah! Now I've got it here. <laughs> the the wind blows wherever it pleases. That's the one. I was immediate, uh, yeah. Available on Amazon. <laughs> no, I don't know whether it is available in good bookshops actually, but anyway, it's just gone into reprint. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I was reminded of that when you were talking about using the language of opportunistic and. And just how um, sensitive we need to be of what the Holy Spirit's doing, and um, and I swear I don't know if you'd be able to talk into this. This is kind of going on a different tangent, but where you create a culture within your team, whereby the team has that sense of of being led by the Spirit and being open to it moving in ways they didn't expect, and just having that general awareness as a team. I mean. Is that something that just stems from the leader? Is it something you had to work really hard at creating? Um, I, I, I think it is a culture. Mm. Uh, and I think at the heart of it is keeping our programs on an open hand mm. so that um, in order to seize the opportunity, chances are um, uh, you're going to have to close down other stuff. Mm. Uh, and, and actually, the church is really, really bad at closing stuff down. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we hang on yeah. to stuff, e- even when it's dead, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're kicking it. as It's lifeless. <laughs> you, you know, well, well, we'll keep going with it. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, I, I remember one time uh, we had a, a, a very inspirational uh, youth pastor and we'd set up a community youth club in a community centre. Um, and the thing grew 
crazily, uh, uh, just over an incredibly short period of time until the youth were queuing around the block to get into this thing. They were getting 200 a week coming to this youth club. And um, the youth pastor said, too many people, it's become non-relational. We we're, we're not actually impacting any people's lives through this at all. We're just putting on a program. Mm. We're closing it down. And, and that takes incredible courage yeah. because um, humanly, this looked like the most successful thing that we've ever done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and she closed it down when it was at its height, mm. because actually she saw that it wasn't really feeding into the kingdom. Wow. Um, and so it is just it, it's holding our ministries on an open hand and saying, actually, you know, that's not working. We need to let that go in order to see the thing that God is doing. Mm. Um, and um, I'm not saying that we're, we've been particularly good at that. Yeah. Um, but um, I remember one time um, sitting with a kind of a, a leadership guru and saying, you know, how do we do this and how do we do that? And can, can we uh, uh, close this in order to do that? And he said, oh, yes strategic abandonment and so, so i thought oh, i've now got a hook to hang it on let's yeah. do a bit of strategic abandonment <laughs> that's great i mean uh, we'd have to tread really carefully around this question because it's not intended to be provocative how how much of that strategic abandonment do you think uh needs to be done in order to pave the way for more planting do you think sometimes we, we as, a, as an institution we haven't perhaps been ready to let go of other stuff so that planting can happen or am i on a completely wrong wrong track well um i think we um we you know we we need to get rid of the golden calves don't we mm. we, we the, the ministries build up and become something that we take such um, pride and value in that we, we, we can no longer challenge them. Yeah. And actually, everything needs to be reviewed. Mm. Uh, everything in our church life, our Sunday services. Mm. I mean, you know, COVID, we have reviewed our Sunday services. <laughs> yeah. Because... Yeah. And all of a sudden we're reinventing church in a different way. Yeah. And hey, it's it's not as bad as we thought, maybe. <laughs> well, actually it is it's pretty bad. But, <laughs> uh, and and so two months ago, the idea of saying, Well, let's not gather on a Sunday physically mm. was like we can't even go there. We can't think that. But actually, the moment we say that, it's become something that has taken control of us mm. uh, in an unhealthy way. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it, it must be right to review anything and, and everything. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying that we review our theology. We, we review our creed. Yeah. No, we can't do that. Because God is 
the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in terms of our, our orthopraxy, mm. surely we challenge it. We say, yeah, well, that worked for a season, but it doesn't work anymore. Mm. Um, and let's try something else. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the, the, the other half of that is the appetite for risk. Mm. Um, you know, famously, uh, um, great preachers of the past have said, you know, risk is, or faith is spelled R-I-S-K, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and so there's this correlation between risk and faith. Uh, but that's probably slightly too simplistic. Um, I think um, to be a, a missional church, uh to, to, to be a, a living church, we have to be prepared to risk everything all the time. Mm. Uh, and uh, naturally, our, um, uh, uh, our human nature uh, wants to protect what we've already built up. Um, we we are um, hardwired, it feels, to uh, to to try and um, maintain what we've got, mm. uh, and and maintenance actually is death. Uh, we we need to, to to be constantly going out and saying we we're risking everything on this. Our church could completely implode on this because we're going right out on the edge again. Mm -hmm. And to do that all the time. I mean, you know, uh, one of the uh, one of the things that we've done as a, a church in recent time, and, and it's not completely related to church planting, but it is related to risk, is we um, uh, we sold our own old Victorian, Ed, sorry, Edwardian building. Mm. traditional church building stone pillars the whole lot yeah sold that and we relocated our entire church into a converted office block in the town center because we believed god had called us to do that we needed more space uh, and we wanted to be right in the heart of the community in the middle of the town in a high profile location where our old building was in a back road mm. and in order to do that, uh, we we kind of looked down the barrel of a gun, and I'm enormously grateful to the the, the my PCC and uh, other people who stood alongside me in that. In that, we risked the completely an annihilation of our church mm. Um, mm. because it was a twelve million pound project. You know, we we could have gone bankrupt you know we we could have lost the whole lot we risked everything because we we sensed the call of god and actually we now need to do that again <laughs> uh, because that's that's faith isn't it that's yeah. that's that's the life of faith yeah yeah that's incredible I guess you've you've got COVID nineteen just to give you a bit of rest before you have to do that. <laughs> uh, I think COVID nineteen is part of it. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, it's been an incredible journey. I mean, 
my wife and I, Haley, we we were we were there near the beginning of that happening, and then we moved away for ordination training, and everything, and just watching from afar. And what was the strap line was "Go and Grow," wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, which I think is brilliant. I mean, that's that's the um, that's what Jesus called us to do, wasn't it? Yeah, we didn't yeah. want a strap line that was was around buildings because buildings are just tools. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and and hey, you know, I spoke, spent twelve million quid. I don't even need it anymore now. Yeah. We're we're in lockdown. Yeah, <laughs> we've moved on. <laughs> on for the next twelve. <laughs> so, um, so you as as the, the resource church leader, uh, obviously, you want to find planters and, and leaders to send out. Some of them kind of pop out of the blue, like my dad, I suppose, sat around the table and then uh, suddenly everyone's eyes were focused on him. What? How do you go about looking for planters? I mean, with the ones that have been raised up so far, do you, did you intentionally think, OK, God, you're calling us to plant. Who do you want it to be? Or was it with dad? Or was each circumstance different? Yeah, well, uh, uh, of recent times, we have gone out with greater intentionality to recruit um, people. But I think one of the reasons why we have been able to plant a few times is because the, there is a fairly strong missional outlook to the church, we have naturally attracted apostolic-type people onto our staff team, um, people who are going to... Um, run with things they're not going to sit on their hands they're they're, they're not mm. we're, we're historically we've probably had more apostolic type people on our staff than pastoral type people you need both of course um but um yeah we've we, we've had the kind of slightly edgy risky type people who are of course generally awkward customers uh, <laughs> you, know, you know they are difficult to manage they are quite hard work yeah. um, because they're always out there challenging the status quo um and um uh, and, and we've we, yeah historically we've had quite a few of them and that has enabled us to plant uh we're now intentionally going out to look for that type of person so that we can plant out in the future through the resource church program. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we'd kind of already been doing that, I guess. I think what you said there was really, really important because what I took away from what you just said was that it's the culture and the DNA of the church being missional is the thing that cultivated and raised up those planters. So it, yeah. just through the life and um and and mindset of the church it it, it was creating its own its own missionaries yeah. which i think is is phenomenal yeah that, I, I think a a resource church a missional type resource church is not going to just be church planting they are going to be a church that's sending out missionaries sending out ordinance sending out into all sorts of uh forums um because that's written through their dna yeah um and so what i mean you've, you've touched on it already really I, I was going to ask what challenges come your way as the resource church leader in raising up or overseeing your planters you know what what are some of the things which you think how, what are some of the ways in which you think you as a resource leader need to be able to care 
for those planters and some of the help them avoid some of the pitfalls they could run into yeah well i think um one of the things that we've noticed with our uh, our planters is that actually really quickly um they tend to get very isolated you know church planting is is really hard work uh, i'm grateful to god that i was involved in a church plant myself so i've got some um, you know, coalface experience. Mm. Um, uh, and I know a little bit of what it's like because you're inventing everything from scratch. It, actually, you know, for people who haven't church planted um, uh, and, and, and haven't had that experience, the experience of COVID-19, of reinventing yourself as an online church over mm. a course of a, a number of weeks is a very similar experience to church planting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's hard work, isn't it? Yeah. You, you yeah. have to think through absolutely every issue completely new and fresh. Yeah. You have yeah. to raise up new team. Uh, you, you get people letting you down all over the place. Um, and so uh, to do that when you're on your own and it can very quickly lead to the planter becoming demoralized. Mm. Uh, yeah. And um, so what we have done of late with uh, a couple of our children, <laughs> having, having kind of learned the hard way, is uh, we've kept a couple of our church planters um, uh, notionally on our staff team as a parent church. So um, we're in a very privileged position. We have large offices. I mean, they're useless at the moment. Um, but but um, when when we were a physical church, um, we have large offices. And we had desk space. So we've given our church planters uh, a desk space. They join us for staff prayers every week. We need to be completely releasing of them so that they're going off, doing their own thing. They haven't got you know, their parent church nagging them, saying, you must do this, you must do that. No, freedom, freedom mm -hmm. to, to, to uh, pursue what they believe God is calling them to do. But at the same time, they're still knit into a community uh, so they can have people to pray with, so they can feel the emotional support of being part of something and not completely out on their own. And we're specifically with the... Uh, the two church planters and now the three embryonic church planters who we've done that with. Um, actually, I've seen them uh, thrive in quite difficult circumstances, you know, really hard work. And yet, because they've got that support, they're in a much stronger position. Um, uh, I, that's been a really successful strategy mm. for supporting our church planters. I, I have I have a little question of how we can continue to multiply that out, mm. um, because you know it's okay with two or three or four or five, but if this whole thing gathers pace. Um, we're not going to be able to support 20 church, but you know, they'd overwhelm us. Yeah. They're, they'd yeah. overwhelm us. So we'd have to, we'd have to find a model, a new model for that. But at the moment, that's been a helpful thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I know with uh, one of the planters that's been sent out um, from our sending church, he, he comes into our staff meetings each week and, and he's very much connected. He'll preach once a term at the church. And I think, I think whilst at times that may be hard for him because a lot of the conversations around the table have nothing to do with him, mm. he definitely um, appreciates the encouragement around the table. He appreciates the prayer and just being with people, knowing that he has a, yeah. a, a hub to go back to when he needs it. Yeah, I think I think there's, there's real value added in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I think you've probably answered the question. I was going to say, what should planters be asking of their sending churches? But really, I think that's probably the most important thing, isn't it? Yeah. So obviously planting is costly for the sending church. And uh, having done it a, a few times now, um, you know, we've got it wrong a few times. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, and you know, there are different models out there. We all look at HTB and mm-hmm. we think, okay, you know, well, that's the way to do it. We send 100 people yeah. and many thousands of pounds. And you think, <laughs> and then when you try to do that, you just collapse. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. It's uh, terrible. <laughs> I remember one plant that we did uh, was a kind of network church. Uh, for It was a kind of young adult uh, church that we we sent out and um and the planter was a great networker you know so he was, per- he was perfect for the role um and he uh, he networked around all the young adults and he took them all oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, i mean he, he didn't take quite all of them it was mm. a little bit like the uh, the the babylonian exile you know <laughs> that that all the talent Mm. he took mm. and he left a few <laughs> young adults who were kind of on the fringe mm. and couldn't really survive on their own so it it just it just wiped us out mm. uh so that was incredibly costly we did it took four five six years to rebuild our young adult work wow uh so you know we Counting the cost. Mm. Sorry, I'm not answering your question, am I? No, that's I'm, right. I'm, I'm answering it from a, a resourcing church perspective. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that we need to be incredibly generous. Jesus said, "It is more blessed to give mm. than to receive," and I believe that. And I believe that when we give, it is given back to us. Mm. But we also need a degree of wisdom in that. Um, because it is costly. We do need to give away. We need to keep giving away and we need to count the cost. But, you know, uh, Luke 14, uh, if a king goes to war uh, against a stronger person, he does he not with calculate that with 10,000 men, can he overcome the the king with 20,000 men and if he can't he he sues for peace doesn't he you know he sends a delegation uh and we need to do some of that we need Mm -hmm. to be circumspect not to then step back from the plate and become stingy i'm i i'm i'm concerned that in saying that i may be misheard Mm. 
that I, I want to be extravagantly generous and take outrageous risks. But I also want to be wise. Yeah. So that's yeah. the other side, I guess. Yeah. I think, and it comes back to, to how we started, I think, doesn't it? What, what the spirit's doing and, yeah. and being able yeah. to fall back on that. Um, yeah easier easier said than done <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> because i imagine <clears throat> excuse me from a resource church leader's perspective i imagine that's exhausting as well because you're you're constantly and it's exciting but you're raising up you're sending out and then as soon as you send out you're thinking there's a, a time of repair i don't know if that's too strong a word or rebuilding and then on for the next and then it's a constant cycle and i imagine that gets quite tiring Hey, welcome to church leadership. <laughs> Did you think it was an easy ride? <laughs> yeah. And so what I suppose linked to that, it may not be, what, what would you say has been uh, a, one of the lows um, of being a resource church leader specifically? I think... Um, uh, all the highs and all the lows are related to people. Mm. Um, particularly as a resource church leader, the majority of my work is the work of an enabler. Mm. Uh, you know, 90%, apart from my leading and preaching at some bees, you know, and leading some bees, which is, you know, probably a relatively small segment of my overall work. The rest of my time, uh, my work is not for my ministry, it is for other people's ministries, it's releasing them. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and of course, when they, they go and they fly, mm. that, you, you, the, 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 the reward is amazing because you just see something and you think, you know, I've fed into this person's life and now look what God is doing through them. It's just an amazing privilege to see that. Yeah. Yeah. and the converse is true mm. so you invest in someone you pour out your life into them mm. and then it crashes and burns mm. as it will you know you know we have to be realistic uh, we have to cope with our failures and our successes uh, and uh, and then you're you're picking up the pieces and uh yeah, it, 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 it's it's uh, it's it's heartrending. Yeah, and this this will probably sound like a silly question, but how important is it for not just you, obviously, and your core team, but the wider staff team or PCC? How important is it for them to be on board with the enabling and sending out constantly of of plants? Absolutely. So uh, it's, it's totally important. And uh, I myself have um, needed, I've sometimes said this to people, uh, that I need to be uh, unreasonably um, focused on promoting mission. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I need to be out of balance um, because um, because churches have, uh, you know, uh, they they have a tendency to be tendency to be like um, uh, 
the proverbial black hole, you know, in in, in uh, space, which has a gravitational pull into itself that just sucks <laughs> in everything into its vortex. Yeah. Uh, and as, a, as the lead pastor, the senior leader, I need to try and bring a corrective to that tendency in saying, no, we've got to push out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I've got to be sort of out of balance in terms of promoting the outward push yeah. to, to balance off that, that gravitational pull inwards. Yeah. Go on. And, and, and in doing so, I'm then uh, trying to set a culture in the PCC and in the stop, this is what we do. Yeah, we push out all the time, yeah. and 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 speaking to it all the time. Yeah. No, this is what we do. We we don't focus on ourselves. We push out. Yeah, I almost had a picture there of um, you know, athletes, runners will train with those parachutes that they tie around their waist. You know, you have to be unreasonably running towards a mission because of the drag that you get. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great from, picture. That's a great picture. <laughs> Um, of it and um, yeah and so we're, we're coming towards the end I've got a couple more questions has there has there been something which has really just surprised you or knocked you for six in, in being a resource church leader something you just did not see coming and it <laughs> you know well uh, yeah the, the, the thing that uh, uh, I didn't see coming was the uh, the revolution that is happening in the Church of England uh, in that, you know, all my ministerial career and uh, I've been involved in church planting now uh, in a professional capacity, really, for 30 years. Mm. About. So all my ministerial career, uh, the relationship with the, the, the Church of England has been, well, you know, we're part of them. We're like, we're we're happy to be part of them, but we we do all this stuff kind of undercover. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I s- served a, a a really lovely pastoral bishop for many many years. Uh, we loved him, and he loved us. He didn't understand us, but he loved us, and we appreciated his ministry amongst us. And um, uh. It, there was a, a complete understanding between us that the less I told him, the better. <laughs> uh, I remember one time we we had a Japanese pastor uh, on uh, uh, on our staff, um, and um, he came to me and he said, "You know, I understand you have a Japanese minister on your staff. Do I need to know about that?" And I said, "Oh yes, yes, we got a Japanese pastor doing a Japanese congregation, and he's uh, ordained in the Reformed." church of japan and he said oh so he's not one of us and i said no 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 he's no he's not one uh, of church of england or, mm. or Anglican. he said oh well i don't need to know and i said oh and we've also got a baptist pastor on our church uh, uh, on our staff and he said oh no 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 i don't need to know <laughs> and then i said oh we've got, we've got a pentecostal pastor on us oh no, no, no. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we understood yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't actually want to know because it raised all sorts of mm. questions about, and he wanted to empower us. Mm. In the last three or four years, new bishop, 
the new uh, you know center for church planting mm-hmm. and um uh, i've got a bishop who uh, uh wants to know everything we're doing he wants to encourage us um he you know he he's on to me saying Henry, when are you next church planting? Uh, you know, I can't believe it. It's, um, it's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, it's doing my head in. Now. Just, uh, it's just yeah. a complete about turn, yeah. which, of course, I welcome. Mm. Um, but uh, having been a kind of undercover, you know, having been in the SAS, as it were, <laughs> doing secret sorties yeah. uh, without telling anybody what I'm doing, now I'm. I found myself mainstream. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, we've yeah. always been on the edge. Yeah, uh, and um, so getting used to that, getting used to relating to uh, you know the, the Church of England to my bishop, uh, and actually it's incredibly empowering. I'm I'm welcoming it, but it is uh, it, it took me completely by surprise. Yeah, oh, long may it continue. Hey, that's great. And so um, final question, if you could give one piece of advice or encouragement to a church leader that is looking to plant for the first time uh, as, a, as a, resor- a resource, a, a church that wants to be a planting church, what would you give to that leader who, who's trying to find a planter to, to send out? If you, yeah. um, risk. Risk. Yeah. Risk, you know, uh, if you're looking at a planter, you may think, oh, my goodness, the guy's a complete maverick. <laughs> well, he might be your guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's going he's to cause you trouble. Yeah. But he might yeah. be your guy. So so you just take take risks. Take risks. Brilliant. And and Henry, if, if people would like to follow up the story of St. Barnabas or contact um, yourself or connect with you uh, or even get hold of of your book what, what are the details that they need for all those things okay so uh, for contacting me or finding out about St Barnabas just go to www.stbarnabas.co.uk uh, my email is on there in the in the, the who's who section uh, so you can get in touch with me through that in terms of the book um, it's available on Amazon uh, the wind blows wherever it pleases. Um, Do you want to give us a quick synopsis of what the book's about? It's um, uh, it's a, uh, a guide to the life of the spirit. I I wrote it for the newcomer because I noticed that we, St Barnabas, as an evangelical, charismatic Church of England church, almost everybody who arrived with us was surprised. <laughs> Uh, the Pentecostals were surprised that, you know, there didn't seem to be a, the man of God pacing up and down at the front of the church. Uh, the conservative evangelicals were surprised that, you know, we were still preaching, you know, conservative evangelical type sermons. But there was all this spirit stuff that was a bit weird. Um, and so I thought I need to write a book that gives our newcomers a framework, a theological framework at a fairly kind of um, basic level with lots of stories, Mm. easily readable, so that they can uh, uh, understand what's going on in this church where they're encountering God. Um, And uh, 
I would say that it would be a useful resource for other churches if they wanted to put a book in their kind of welcome pack, mm. uh, you know, mm. as sometimes you put a freebie yeah. in the yeah. welcome pack. That's uh, uh, and and you are an evangelical charismatic church. This will this will be a good kind of little opener for yeah. newcomers. Brilliant, Henry. It's been a real joy to catch up with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, and uh, we hope you stay safe and well during COVID nineteen and get to use yeah, that thank get, you, get to use that building soon again. <laughs> Brilliant. Great. See you Great. later. See you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>